Welcome back to another edition of our daily roundup. It's the Rewind That Tape podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cash. And I'm Jay Probs. And it's it's been a quite a few days since we've been able to get a pod out. Uh, we're back in the groove. But since we've missed those few days, we're going to be covering up some key events that have happened this past week or so, but also getting some to some points that have been more recent. We're going to go ahead and start off here with I'm sure every listener here knows whether you watch soccer or not how how much an impact Leo Messi just had on the soccer world in America this past week. I mean, he makes his debut for the Inter Miami and comes on 65th minute. They're tied 1-1 and scores a the beautiful free kick could have written it any better in stoppage time. Just what do you what do you think this this player will have on this club and, and really what, what's he going to bring to this sport in, in America? I mean, it's, it's huge, right? We see um, the into Miami Instagram. I feel like that's a big, uh, uh, interesting, but pretty important indicator. They jump from like less than a million followers. to I think they're at 10.3 million, something like that. Um, and, when you have stars like LeBron James, Serena Williams showing up to watch um, Messi play in his debut, that's how you know. That that tells you the impact that he's doing. He's bringing these stars to these games to watch him play. They're not going coming here to watch anyone else play on Inter Miami. They're watch, they're coming to watch Messi, and that's the effect that he can bring. And I mean, we saw that with that beautiful beautiful free kick i mean that's why people pay four hundred dollars a ticket to come <laughs> watch this guy i mean that was a couple was, yards out last minute of the game crazy just, yeah beautiful into the left corner of the goal just nothing the goalie can do and that that's pure leo genius right there and i think that's that's what that's what the mls is getting and it's gonna be so much fun just to watch him have fun not really care about winning, not no pressure of a Champions League exactly. or Mbappe or um, other stars. It's going to be his team, and he can just enjoy it. And I think that's kind of what he wants in this retirement kind of era that he's in right now. Yeah, and I think what makes this this uh, game winner even that much better is the fact that Inter-Miami hadn't won in 11 games. Like It had been over a month, month and a half since this team had won a game. And in the first game, he he delivers that that win, and um, you know it, it's just going to be great to see him take this team from last to wherever they end up this season. Because I'm sure they'll be they're going to climb up those those standings. But of course, and, and like you said, you know this team it's it's his team. He's going to have fun. You know, none of that drama in Paris that he's been dealing with. No, there's not a ton of pressure for him to deliver because this team's going to be making a ton of money, whether they're winning or not. Um, and I think that's just what Inter-Miami is looking for. But, yeah, trophy would be nice. But I think um, we'll see a lot. We'll be hearing a lot of Messi here in the future as the MLS season continues. Um, but as that season continues, I think in Europe, you know, it's a lot, a lot of tension's been boiling as we just talked about PSG just a little bit ago. Now they have another mm-hmm. problem, another day, another problem in Paris. This yep. time, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. And this time, it, it's it's Kylian Mbappe. Um, PSG had 
they have already left for their preseason tour. Every major team does this. Now PSG is doing it in Japan, starting it off there. And they have left Kylian Mbappe out of the squad as he has stated that he's looking to continue his contract until 2024 and is expected to leave for free. However, the PSG board, the president, look at it differently. They want to get the most out of him right now from a financial perspective. What do you think is, I wouldn't say the best outcome perhaps for Mbappe, but just the most likely outcome from a, from the board's perspective and from the player's perspective? Um, I mean, personally, I think from the board's perspective, um, you you just got to milk this for as much financial value as you can get, as much yeah, financial profits. Exactly, because you know it's becoming more and more likely that Killian is going to leave in 2024 at the end of the season, go to Madrid on a free, and that could potentially spell financial ruin for the team. If he leaves and Neymar leaves and then the entire team is just crumbling within itself and you don't really want to have that, you'd rather have 200 million or at least 150 million in your pocket from that Mbappe transfer. Um, so yeah, I think the board's directive is pretty clear. Try and get Mbappe to lead, uh, agree to some kind of um, some kind of deal to get him out, but also to... Uh, get some kind of financial compensation to PSG, to the team. And if you're Mbappe, I think you wait and see. There's no need, reason to rush. Uh, you're, he's, it seems like he's completely fine playing 2024, 2024 with PSG. Um, but I think he's just waiting to see what will happen, if Madrid is willing to pay or if he's going to have to wait another season. Um, but yeah, PSG is in pretty tight situation right now. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if any transfer were to go through or offer were to come to PSG and they accepted it, Mbappe would have to sort of yeah. like okay the transfer, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, so I, I don't know. It's it's interesting because there's obviously a big market for him, but there's only a handful of teams that have the money to complete a transfer. And obviously Real Madrid's one of them, but they wouldn't mind waiting a year. But I think... One of the interesting options would be if the Saudi Arabian side were to come in and offer 300, mm. 450, 400 million euros here for Mbappe. And, and I, I, I think from what I've seen is that they're fine if they pay that 400 million and only have him for a year because he's going to walk to Real Madrid. Um, cause, and I feel like from Mbappe's perspective, you're getting 200 million uh, per season potentially. Yeah, and you're getting banked. It's, it's just one year, and you're going right back to Madrid. So, do you think that's something Mbappe would okay? Oh, I don't know, man. I think that the biggest prospect, I think the biggest issue for him possibly with playing in Saudi Arabia is that he doesn't get Champions League football. He's not in a top five league. Um, and, I mean, this this kid is a French He's born, he's a French national. So playing in PSG, he, I, I think he'd still enjoy it. He still enjoys living in France, his homeland, his home country. Um, and if he could win one, if he could win a Champions League, if he could leave PSG with a Champions League, I think that would ultimately be his goal. I think if that PSG is really, really just dead set on 
either we sell you or you don't play, I guess then at that point, Saudi Arabia does seem like a solid option, um, especially with the contract that could possibly be attached to that. Um, but yeah, I think, for sure. I think for Mbappe, he wants to play with PSG one final kind of farewell tour, try and get the Champions League before he leaves. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, being at PSG, that the league is not that competitive. Your yeah. goal there is always to win the Champions League, get at least get to the final, and that just hasn't happened, and it just doesn't look like it's going to happen soon. I mean, this kid's greatness. People will call him, you know, just say that he's only good in that league. But I mean, um, I mean, World Cup, man. Yeah, exactly. That's that. That's the thing. They, he just won a World Cup. Uh, or not just he, won it, but he's won a World I mean, Cup with France, and he's just I mean, been that, dominant in the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. That 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 I think that World Cup. I mean, with, with Argentina was a perfect example of what this kid really the, that talent that's there. I mean, and no one's really, really, no one's arguing with that. People know that this he is one of the top, I'd say, two best players in the world right yeah, now. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, he. If you're PSG, it's kind of logical. Right? It's two hundred million. That should be the the asking price. That should be the least possible asking asking price. Um, looking at what Holland went for with the with the wage uprising and all of that. So I think um, PSG could get a comparable, or possibly, in my opinion, should be a even greater uh, even greater transfer fee than yeah. Man, Man City or. Dortmund got oh yeah for sure and I mean you know honestly making if they're able to get 200 million profit from this sale it could definitely be better for this team long term um but that 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 kids put France on his back not just Mm -hmm. SG fans but that nation winning the World Cup um we're gonna keep it here with France in the World Cup but this time as we know what's going on the Women's World Cup yes sir a surprising game the 43rd ranked country for women, Jamaica, going up against number five France, ends in a 0-0 draw, keeping those two teams tied in the table just one point after playing one game. What does this mean for France, in your opinion, You know, being that dominant country who really should easily win this group? Yeah, I think um, it's... Jamaica really played a physical brand of football. They played, I mean, low block. They made sure France did, get, did not get any opportunities, and that's kind of represented in the scoreline. But I think, I think when we're looking at France, I, in my opinion, I personally see a situation similar to that Argentina Saudi Arabia game where a team that's exactly he- what I was he- thinking of heav- heavily favored just loses, gets the tie, one of those things, and it's just. Um, it's like, man, like the, the Francis, you already know the quality is there. Um, it's about obviously um, putting it on paper and delivering. And um, it's it's the World Cup, you know, there's nerves, everything like that. I feel like this is the first game. It's a time for the players to get in the rhythm, um, get ready to, to kind of play. Um, and so I, I personally don't put much stock into it, um, but I could see people overreacting because the 
the quality difference is so high that France, even if there are nerves, if there are these this kind of tension coming into the World Cup, they should have the quality and the talent to overcome that. But at the same time, Jamaica played a great game. They played their game. They they knew exactly what they needed to do and they they executed. So I um I think France just needs to grow from this experience, take this and just build on it. Um and yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens in the next few games if they can rebound or if they're really going to sink during this World Cup. Yeah, because these these next two games are obviously crucial, and they can't afford a slip up when you're playing a team like Brazil, who are another yeah another top ten country. Uh, that yeah. these next two are definitely must wins here for France. But um, you're watching. I see the Sweden versus South Africa game. Uh huh. The Swedish got. Got the big win there. Yeah, I mean, big big comeback win in my opinion. Um, I think Sweden really was looking on the ropes for the beginning of that game. Um, they had, man, I I really, I really think that um, South Africa got got unlucky here. Um, uh, it was what was it? I think. A late winner in like the 90th last minute for Sweden um, to, to put them ahead, but then um, it was a uh, what you would call it. It was a, like one of those crossers where it hits off her head, but then like dinks. She doesn't really know it. It dinks into the back of the net. That's how Sweden got their first goal. They equalized that way, and just for South Africa, in my opinion, a lot of bad luck. They seemed in control for a majority of that game, but then. Sweden just, I mean, is one of the best countries in the world, third best in the world in FIFA World Cup rankings. Um, they put on the pressure and last minute got a got a winner. Um, but I mean, for South Africa, that sits what is it, fifty fourth in the FIFA World Cup rankings. I think that's they played really hard, they played strong, but I mean. In the end, Sweden just th- this is the kind of thing that I thought France was gonna do. Mm-hmm. Um, they they were gonna get comfortable in the game, second half, mount the pressure, get a winner. Um, so that's that's kind of what we saw here, and that's what I expected France to do. But I mean, these, these are some pretty entertaining World Cup um, games um, right here. Just titans, really, of the national soccer uh, arena, kind of facing hardship, and some of them are going down. So it's been really entertaining to watch. Yeah, Argentina and Italy, the other two teams in the group, kick off at 1 a.m. That mm-hmm. will be huge to yep. see how, the, how this group's end, group end up ends up being shaped up here in a week or so. But um, we're going to end up this, this podcast episode with one of the more recent events. NFL running backs after Saquon Barkley does not get an extension from the Giants, kind of got together – they were all upset on Twitter that, you know, as of recently, like there's just been a trend of running backs not getting paid what they're mm-hmm. deserving of just because their longevity um, has decreased over these years. And, you know, a quality running back isn't as hard to come by. What are your thoughts on this? And do you think that every running back should be getting this big money? Or, you know, is there a certain exception, something a running back needs to do for a team or – do you agree that this is a business at the end of the day and these running backs, you know, got to prove something? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of agree with your first state or your second statement there that this is a business. Um, and I, as much as it sucks for these running backs who are super talented, are such a big part of these teams, if GMs, head coaches don't believe that they need quality top five running backs like Saquon, like Zeke, they if they feel like they don't, Austin Eckler, if they feel like they don't need to pay these guys big bucks and they can just replace them with um, your second round pick, third round pick running back, then, I mean, there's nothing that the running backs can do because it's kind of this problem of supply and demand because there are just too many quality running backs that you can find in the third round. Um, I mean, I, as a Texans fan, the first first uh, image that pops into my head is Damian Pierce. I mean, we got him in the third round, and he is one of the better young, young running backs. And who knows, when he's time for his extension, we might just draft another one, and he'll be expendable. And I think it's a business at this point. Um, I'm not sure exactly what they're meeting about, if they're talking about how possibly to – make the running back position more valued but at the end of the day it's up to the really how the nfl plays what the head coaches gms the value that they put into running backs and at this point i can see pretty much the entire nfl saying that running backs almost have zero value in getting these extensions um you just draft one put it on the um, franchise tag for two years and then just draft a new one um and so obviously it is a business you're trying to find the best way to maximize your money and that's it um so i can't really fault the gms i can't really fault the head coaches and if you're a running back it's a sucky situation but there's nothing really in my opinion that you can do to change the valuation of these running backs i think for me honestly um i i agree to an extent that it's a business and Mm -hmm. that since running backs just haven't been as hard to come by, it's um, not worth it to give that aging running back a massive extension. But I feel like for those backs that carry the load on offense, their running and their receiving games are strong. Their blocking game is strong. They are the focal point of the offense. I feel like the Austin Ecklers of the NFL, um, the Derrick Henrys, the Saquons, I feel like those are the guys deserving of the money. Now, I, I get it. Saquon is injury prone at the end of the day. But I just feel like he's just him, Eckler, and, you know, Henry. They're just too big of, uh, of a piece of the offense to lose that easily. Um, and I feel like the Giants are going to, whenever that is this year, next year, depending on whether Saquon holds out or not, are going to realize that. Um, that having these running backs are going to – hurt you if you don't sign him to an extension long term but i feel like you know it's just a select few uh that kind yeah. of for that i agree with you i think there's there's obviously a select few i don't think that your everyday run of the mill running back is going to get this extension like that you could that you see from like a wide receiver to the kind of extension that they get you're not going to see that for a running back one on the same team um but I don't know. I feel like the only players that I could viably see you giving a big contract to are those special, special players that can make plays out of the backfield, catching the ball. And to me, exactly. in my opinion, that's probably 
two or maybe even three. I think that's Christian McCaffrey, mm-hmm. Austin Eckler, and possibly Saquon that you throw into that list. I don't think there's any other running backs who are who can kind of command a contract that like that. Because when you look at guys like Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, those guys, they run the ball up the gut. They have a short right. shelf life. They're not going to be this good for their entire career. Their prime is probably ending. And so there's just no, in my opinion, you're just going to get another Zeke situation where you have oh, a yeah. low running back who's not going to, has no explosion. And I think that's that's why no teams are really, no teams really want to give running backs a big contract. Yeah, it's, just, it, it's just too big of a risk to, to take and it, it's not worth it long term. Exactly, exactly. And um, another another thing I want to just point out here is that this, like, like we're talking about, and I th- I still believe this, that, that running backs with receiving value should, um, should get big contracts. But I think the whole Le'Veon Bell situation with the New York Giants kind of ruined it. I think he was a perfect example of a running back who, was effective both on the ground and in the air. But once once he just got a little bit past his prime, he just was could not perform. And that contract just was such a bad contract. And so I think since that situation and since the Steelers were able to replace Bell with James Conner so easily, I, I, I think it kind of ruined the market for all running backs. Yeah, was a, that was a massive mistake there by the Jets. His body just sort of just gave out at the end and it's becoming more and more of a trend here. Um, uh-huh. Backs are getting used more, but that's going to wrap it up today uh, for that. Rewind that tape daily recap episode. See you guys tomorrow. Uh, make sure to check us out on Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok, Bleach Report. Uh, we're on all of that. Give us a follow at rewind that tape. And then for Twitter, it's at rewind underscore tape. Again, thanks for checking us out, and we'll see you tomorrow on the next one. Peace.